This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hi, Baby Nation. Before we get going, we want to uh, let you know that this episode is about Jesse. What's the book called? Jesse's Awful Secret. This episode is about Jesse's Awful Secret, which is a book about anorexia, and we know that that is a very serious issue. And what we mostly do in this podcast and this episode is make dumb jokes. Right. So we kind of wanted to flag that up front, but rest assured that we don't dwell on it too long, and we mostly just talk about... Tanner mostly talks about the X-Men, yes, <laughs> which I think is unreasonable and unfair because it has nothing to do with this book. If you're into X-Men, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. Now here comes the song. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time the Babysitter's Club Club. Baby Nation, here we are. We're sitting in my cozy little den again, back together. We're in Brooklyn. Our last record. Jack is here in Brooklyn. I am here in Brooklyn. Uh, we got our happy light shining down upon us. Moyo's here, watching over us, and Anne has blessed us yeah, with, with just kind of a just a fun, a fun romp, just a, of a fun book. book. Yeah, this it's, week, Anne. Yeah, sometimes it's, Anne thinks that our job out here is, is maybe too easy, and we're yeah. getting complacent. Yeah, and she throws us a curveball. This time, she threw us a couple curveballs at once. <laughs> <laughs> And brought in none other than Suzanne Wayne. Oh my God! You know, you know, the second I knew I was doomed in this book, yeah, is when I opened it up, got past the cover, got past the title page, and the dedication was: the author would like to thank Dr. Adele M. Brodkin for her sensitive evaluation of this book. Yeah, I was like, oh God, Anne, what did you yeah. do? The the author would like to proactively thank. <laughs> Tanner Greenring and Jack Shepard for their sensitive evaluation of this book. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. I mean, yeah. <laughs> We're going to do our best, um, Anne, but you didn't make it easy on us. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels in the Sitterverse by Princeton's own Princess Anne Matthews Martin. Bane of Bats, Stormwalker, Storm Whisperer, Storm Whisperer, and Stormborn. Sanctified. I found out the word for when you were afraid of bats. It's chiroptophobe. She's not afraid of bats. Bats are afraid of her. Yeah. I was trying to retrofit the word for someone whom bats fear, but it's it's tough because it would be like mysochiropterist. It's a fucking mouthful. Uh, there is no word for what Anne is. There's She's no like one. the one who walks in the night. Like a dark night. Like a bat Anne? Like, like a bat Anne. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. <laughs> we're definitely onto something. Um, anyway, that's what Anne is. Here's uh, further corroboration that um, Anne is maybe Batman. Mm-hmm. Is um, Batman hates the Joker. Mm-hmm. And Anne hates it when we make jokes about oh, her yeah. books. About her books. Because she's letting us do that less and less these days. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Anne. We're the jokers. Why so serious, Anne? Yeah. <laughs> um This week, Baby Nation, we read a book called Jesse and the Awful Secret. Uh it's a Jesse book. Uh, which means a lot of Mademoiselle Noel. Oh, yeah. A lot of ballet And there's dancing. a new Mademoiselle this week. There's a new Mademoiselle. Uh, Mademoiselle Dupre. Dupre. 
who is essentially just a Mademoiselle Noel mini me. Yeah, I didn't really get why we needed to introduce a new Mademoiselle. Like, it feels like Noel could have handled this one. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Uh, what do you think about describing this novel? Um, fine, if you insist. <laughs> I do, I do, I always do. All right, I'm going to describe this book, and then I'm going to put 60 seconds on a big bad clock and have you describe the book as well. I'm going to begin now. An unflinching exploration of the twin evils of teen anorexia and the history of institutional racism in professional ballet since 1933. Jesse and the Awful Secret is also a powerful and moving story about a beautiful friendship that is ravaged and torn apart by jealousy. This fun book to talk about also features a snow fort. Jesse. Jesse. And the Awful Secret. Right. The Awful Secret is not the, the snow, snow fort. F- oh, okay. It's not. Okay. The, the snow fort is the fun part. Um, the institutional racism in professional ballet is uh-huh. not the Awful Secret either. What about the um, marginalization of the... Um... Working. Minority communities in Stamford, Connecticut, and the and the underprivileged. Right. Yeah. 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 That wasn't. I mean, that wasn't an awful secret in this book. Uh, it was just something that Anne talked about a lot. Okay. Um, the eating disorder uh, that Mary suffers right, from, a plot, uh, and threatens her life in a serious way. I think, which is right. took up most of the text here. Right. Was the awful secret. So we've got a plot eating disorder. Right. That was the awful secret. Yeah. B plot. Class struggles and systemic racism in ballet. Mm-hmm. And then kind of way off in the distance, we've got like a, a snow fort. Well, and there's a C-plot too. Yeah. Uh, Christy is feeling jealous that everyone is becoming good friends with Shannon. Right. Kilborn. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be talking a lot about that today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we do, um, I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock here, Tanner, and I'm going to have you... Uh, tell the baby nation uh, what details I may have left out. Okay. You ready for that? Yep. I would like for you to begin right now. All right, baby nation. Here we go. Uh, Jessie is taking classes at her ballet school in Stamford. Uh, Mrs. Madame Noel asked for uh, volunteers to teach a class of underprivileged children who are coming in uh, once a week on Tuesdays. Uh, Jessie volunteers and uh, falls in love with this class. She's got two favorites. Their names are Devin and something. And Martha. Martha. Um, the kids are, are rambunctious, but eventually do pretty good at ballet. Um, Jessie notices that one of her classmates, Mary, is looking a little ill uh, and keeps getting thinner and thinner and is constantly talking about how uh, overweight she is in the, in the locker room. Eventually, she starts, like, passing out during class and feeling ill. Uh, Jessie suspects that she's anorexic, tells Madame Noel. Madame Noel gets her help. Um, there's also some concerns about whether or not uh, St- uh, Stanford, Connecticut Ballet School is doing enough for its underprivileged minorities. Um, and then uh, Shannon Kilmore is in town, and she's Time. making friends with all the babysitters club. <laughs> <laughs> and it's making Christy jealous. I have to go pee. Okay, fine. I'm going to get a beer. All right, baby nation, we're back. Yeah, you recording? Yeah, you, normally we like we edit that to be seamless. All right, baby nation, we're back. We were just watching um, funny fail, fail gifts, fail vid gifs. <laughs> kind of get our keep our keep our spirits up. <laughs> 
Yeah, we paused the podcast to go get a beer. And, and watch some fail gifts. And then uh, I came back. I was ready to talk. And uh, Tanner was watching funny fail gifts. And boy, it was a good funny one. It's about a tire that bounces through an open <laughs> door and <laughs> interrupts some dudes in a serious meeting. <laughs> and wham some dudes. They seem okay. They didn't seem hurt. but. Um, Tanner, you missed a part of the plot that I do want to focus on. What's that? In your recap. Uh, Shannon Kilborn is back. I kind of I hit it at the very end. I had to get through all the um the bad stuff. Yeah, um, Shannon Kilborn. If you've been paying attention over the last number of episodes or the last number of books, basically showed up in Christy and the Snobs as Book a new what what fifteen seven. One way to find out. Oh great! All right, baby nation. Does it matter the book number? You're the one who doesn't want us to get hung up on the book numbers. Uh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was t- I was telling you something. Now I'm gonna have to like eleven. Ugh. Book number eleven. Christy and the Snobs. It's uh, got eight reviews. So Shannon That's Kilborn, random. one star. I cried. I could never read this again. It made me so sad. Oh, that's the one where Louie dies. Cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji. Yeah, that's why we've like blocked it out of our fucking minds. It um, sucks to give that book one star. Because Louie died? Yeah. I would give it one star. It's not Anne's fault, Louie. I mean, it literally is Anne's it fault. It is 100% Anne's fault. It was a well-written book. It was well-crafted. Yeah, but like... It doesn't deserve one star. Yeah. I'm going to see if anyone left this book a one-star review. Because okay. it was difficult. It would now be a good time to remind you that I was in the middle of saying something, or do you want to just kind of table that and talk about that issue later, that I was in the middle of saying something, and then you derailed it, and then now you're just, like, Googling stuff. There's Once you buy a book, there's no way to see it in iTunes anymore. Oh, really? Oh, that's so fascinating. Okay, let's play a game. You introduce the topic. Now I'll introduce the topic. Remember how I was saying something? There's no something? reviews for the next book. Or the one after that. Okay. Weird. <laughs> Do you uh, do you need me here for this podcast at all, Tanner? Christie's great idea has fifty reviews, mm-hmm. almost all of them five stars. Hello and welcome to the Babysitters Club Club, a podcast in which Tanner just tells you how many Amazon reviews, iTunes. Uh, different books, iTunes reviews, iTunes reviews, different books from the <laughs> Babysitters Club series by Princeton's own Princess Anne Matthews Martin. Has. Okay, you're right. You're right. Let's talk about um, teenage um, anorexia, Jack. You go ahead. That's not what I was about to talk about, if you would let me finish my sentence. Shannon Kilborn, Tanner, appears in book number 11, we now know. Christine Snobs. So Louis those dies. of you who One are star like, on iTunes. super like on the edge of your seats to find out what book number it was, th- thanks to Tanner for that. You're welcome. Shannon Kilborn shows up and then just disappears until now. Right. She's she's spoken of as this like figure of legend, like... We'll call Shannon, but she never really makes another appearance. Yeah. Except for, like, these very brief cameos. Yeah. As, like, kind of a reminder from Anne that, like, oh, uh, remember Shannon? Yeah. She's definitely still alive. We have speculated in the past that that may be because she is involved in some kind of a super secret mission for the United States government. It could be any government, really. Yeah. We don't know anything about this girl. Fun fact, I even wrote a short story called a time to Killborn. yeah about that very possibility right i uh, loved reading it and i sent it to tanner yeah to do illustrations for it but unfortunately even though he's quite a gifted illustrator was unable to do so because he couldn't read it because it was two paragraphs i, re- I did read it you never read it yeah i did 
Okay. Just never drew any pictures <laughs> for it. Well, there you go, Baby Nation. You I'm draw the-, the pictures. I'm not your picture monkey. <laughs> if I draw the pictures, it's going to be really bad. I don't dance and draw you illustrations anytime <laughs> you ask. Apparently not. Well, Baby Nation, the lost writings of Jack Shepard. And the lost illustrations of Tanner Greenring. In the sense that they never existed. Yeah, well. Um, so, a Time to Kill Point, it's out there. The lost city of Atlanta has probably never existed either, Jack, but that doesn't keep people from looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the fucking thing, babies and gentlemen. In C-plot of this book, Shannon is back in this like weird way. I don't think they ever even really explain No, it's why. weird. It's weird. Christy's just like calls a babysitter's club meeting to order and is like, just as a note, Shannon Kilborn is more available than normal because she's around all the time now. Right. She's constantly asking to hang out with she, me. But there's no explanation of what the fuck she was up to. No, and then like, like later in the book, so Christy suggests to Shannon, like, oh, Shannon, I really like you, but I don't have a ton of time to hang out right now. So you should call some of the other babysitter's club members and start hanging out with them. And Shannon's like, sure, I'll do that. And then Christy gets insanely jealous for literally no reason. Right. And at some point, Jesse or someone kind of says to Shannon, like, Shannon, is everything okay at home? Yeah. You were con- like, you're back, which is weird, and you're constantly asking to hang out with us. Yeah. You never want to be at home. What is going on? Yeah. And Shannon's like, no, nothing. What? And yeah, like, no, it's fine. I found, I actually wrote down the passage where it is explained why Shannon is suddenly free, and it is as follows. Lately, Shannon's been calling me, asking if I want to go out and do things with her, Christy explained. Her schedule has changed, and she has more time on her hands. That's it. As a 13-year-old, how does your schedule change? Like, what's your schedule? That's it. That's the only explanation. Like, Shannon's fucking back in a big way. And I guarantee you... She's back from, like, assassinating some, like... South American dictator. Well, so when did this happen? This book is 92, I think, right? So what, was there like a regime change at some point in 92? Oh, shit. Let's see. Her schedule has changed. Were there some like global events that might have brought someone back in from the cold in 1992? So it's winter in this book. Okay. Winter of 92. Oh, shit, it's 93, dude. Golly, Jack. Trying to Google over here, and you're making it hard on me. February of 1993. Bill Clinton came into office? Well, there you go. So we literally had a regime change, which means, like, if Shannon Kilborn was an appointee of the George H.W. Bush government, and in January... Bill Clinton comes into office. We know it takes about a month before they like. Oh, so you think she's shake back up from the FBI? Her... Yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. just like, she's off assignment. She's off assignment. It's a new administration. That makes sense. She's a G man for the. What do they need a thirteen year old girl for? I guess just because like she doesn't stand out in a crowd. Yeah, exactly. She's not some like Jason Bourne like muscle man. No, no one would suspect a snobby. How does Christy describe her? Like a ski slope nose. I re- remember it, I think, being your burn of the week in Christie and the Snobs. <laughs> Does she it's, call her a ski snowplow? It's, yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> she's got like an upturned nose, yeah. which I think implies that she's like even more of a snob than you can imagine. Like she upturns her nose as a snob, but she also kind of naturally has a snobbishly upturned nose. So now we know that Shannon Kilborn is weirdly a spook for... 
the George H.W. Bush administration. Uh, there's something else I want to talk to you about related to February 1993, Tanner. Okay. Christine, the worst kid ever. Where the fuck am I? Oh, that's the next book. Um, and I'd love to do it with just you and not also Siri, by which I mean like not you not looking at your phone and like maybe just kind of looking <laughs> at me. And I took a note here. It just says horse. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Um, Tanner. Oh, it autocorrected Borat into horse. Oh, that's so. Uh, that is very interesting. So you like yeah. you wrote something in your phone while I was talking to you, and then the thing you wrote you wrote badly, even. Yeah. Okay. It's my burn of the week. Okay, let me read this passage to you, Tanner. Yep. David Michael was draped across the sofa reading an X Men comic. Ninety three, probably the um, probably the extinction event with apocalypse. You know this more than I do. I just looked it up because I wasn't sure you were going to. Yeah, I didn't. Ninety three was about when the extinctions event came up, which is what the movie X Men Apocalypse, the recent X Men movie, is kind of loosely based on. I think. Okay. Well, we know Tanner. That when Anna Martin references another text in these texts, right, there's a reason for that. She wants us to find the resonance between those two texts. Do you know anything about that particular arc? The issue of X Men that came out in February of 1993 was called The Soul Skinner. Um, I don't know who that dude is, but he seems pretty. Uh... X Men number 17, 1993. Oh shit, I owned this book. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Does it speak to this particular text? Well, the Soul Skinner looks like it's probably Morbius. I'm looking at the cover right now. It's tough to say because he's bathed in shadow. But what we have here on this cover is Colossus. Mm-hmm. He's got someone on his shoulders, but I can't quite tell who. He's got a little blonde girl on his shoulders. Wait, really? Does it look like it could be Shannon Kilborn? Oh, boy. Absolutely, it does. Do- are you serious? Yeah, and behind them is, I think... Um, we're looking at we've got Colossus here. He's got a young blonde girl, right? Age undetermined, maybe thirteen. Wow! Riding on his shoulders. Does she we've have got an the upturned X-Men. nose. Seems like it. Honestly, we've got the the X Men behind her. We've uh-huh. got Psylocke, Cyclops, Wolverine, Jubilee. I think that's probably the Soul Skinner. Yeah. Oh man, Tanner just did a real close up on it. It looks exactly like Shannon Kilborn. Uh, okay. So what do you? So what is this? You think David Michael? He's kind of reading on the recent exploits of of Shannon Kilborn. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's just an Easter egg that we found. Like I don't I don't know if it goes any further than that. It's just a like a pretty fun deep Easter egg. Oh, it's on Marvel Unlimited. Okay. Which I have. We can just read it right now. You want to read together the comic book Soul Skinner? I don't want that. No, no, no. I want to read the comic book um, X Men number seventeen. Oh yeah, I don't want that either. I, don't, I want to continue talking about this novel by Anne Matthews Martin, Soul Skinner. Ooh. <laughs> I like calling her the Soul Skinner. <laughs> that's cool. I bet that's what the bats call her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn, I've got some other topics, man, we can dive into. I've got a few. No, you've got me down on X-Men now. I really w- kind of wish I hadn't now. Yeah, X-Men. Here it is. X-Force? Oh boy, because it's not—it's not even just that we're talking about the X Men. It's that you're just like looking up the X Men uh, while I. Well, talk. you asked me to look them up. Yeah, and now I regret it. Can you stop looking up the X Men, Baby Nation? This is a very special episode of the Babysitters Club Club where Tanner just like gets inside his fucking phone and literally reads a comic book. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. 
He's not really, though. He said he's back. And, and you know what is sad? And, like, this is genuinely tragic. What's so upsetting to me is I've known this man for eight years, and he said, I'm back. And I believed it. I fucking believed it. I was like, okay, good. Now, and he, he's like, the absence that you hear of Tanner's voice is because he's still just staring at his fucking phone, reading X Men number seventeen, a fucking graphic what novel. What if there's something in I, there? I happen to know you've read because you apparently owned it. What as if a there's child. something in there that's important to this text, Jack? Well, Anne only refers to another text when it's significant. You had all day to research this. I didn't, though. You know me. I don't <laughs> research shit before I come over. <laughs> Finish the book on the way down here. <laughs> Whatever. What are we talking about? I'll tell you what. Next the time, X-Men. Next time we take Jubilee a... was great. It's a crime what they did to her. <laughs> That's not... They turned her into a vampire. It's bad. What a good character she was. All right. I've got some new topics. Gloss is my favorite X-Man. There you go, baby nation. Now you fucking know. Now it's out. Tanner's awful secret. Who's yours? Um, I like the man who shoots laser beams from his... Cyclops house. is his name, you dumb idiot. <laughs> And he's bad. <laughs> I like the man who uh, has a um, New Orleans accent and throws. His name's Gambit, around. and you know it. <laughs> he's cool. <laughs> um, listen, here's what we'll do. Next time we take a break, you can read this fucking comic book. I want to just do an X Men podcast. We're not. Listen, I'm going to move on, Tanner. That's my true interest. Actually, if we could do one about Green Lantern, I would love it. Who's your favorite Green Lantern? Um, Lopfop fan. His name's a Rotlop fan. <laughs> and he's not a Green Lantern. He's an F sharp Bell Lantern. <laughs> this is too nerdy to even. Because <laughs> on this planet, it's... they don't have eyes. They don't. They don't process the world in visual terms. They oh. only have auditory terms. So. Oh man, listen. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Do you want to choose? Do you want to pick your poison? I want to pick my poison. Okay. Dolls. Oh wow. Okay. Fine. Let's talk about dolls. You got dolls in there? Yeah, I got dolls in here, man. I've got a few doll passages. Let me read this first one. This is about two babysitting charges of Jesse. The girls were so engrossed in their conversation that they didn't even see me coming. One was petite with lots of red curls. The other had long, limp, blonde hair and porcelain white skin. When I was nearly on top of them, they looked at me. You're supposed to be warming up like the rest of the class, I said pleasantly. Oh, that's all right, said the redhead. We don't really belong here. <laughs> that's fucking terrifying. Very scary. Um, I guess these are t- the two like weirdo girls, Nora and I can't remember the name of the other one, who Jesse is supposed to teach ballet to. She right. teaches a class, a ballet class to underprivileged children. And these two girls like stick to the back of the class and don't follow any of the rules. And, and we like, never really – They just kind of like sit and gossip. Yeah, we never hear much about them, but the way they are described is – Doll-like. Doll-like. And they don't belong. We don't belong here. Terrifying. They also can't articulate their limbs very well. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse stresses that they're not good at plies, which is where you bend your knees oh, wow. and you dip very low. And they're yeah. just like, she's like, they do old lady plies. They yeah. barely bend their knees. They're like, we, our limbs don't articulate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Our limbs don't articulate. <laughs> <laughs> they say it in tandem. Do you want to say it with me? Yeah. Our, our limbs don't articulate. <laughs> pretty scary so you caught these girls as well yeah i caught them as well i like that you did because 
and didn't say dolls. But no, the no, fact no, that we, we both know. caught we it. We know all the, the, yeah. the signals. We, we know her Porcelain tricks. skin. Yeah. Saying creepy things. Like curly hair. Curly and just hair. Like, we don't belong here. Here's another doll. Okay. This book is full of them. Emily Michelle was toddling around the room happily. poo way, poo way, Yeah. She said, lifting up her Raggedy Ann doll to Stacy. Very good, said Stacy, although she had no idea at all what Emily was trying to tell her. <laughs> So Emily, Michelle, Christie's young adopted sister, right. has a doll. Yeah. And keeps thrusting it at Stacy and yelling. Did you have a thought about what the fuck that is? Her adopted siblings suspect that Pue means put away. Right. But I'm dubious because Emily Michelle seems to have some kind of um, supernatural awareness of the world. For a little while, we suspected she may have been the reincarnated spirit of Mimi, because Mimi departed this plane right as Emily Michelle entered right. it. Right. Here's the best I could do with Poo Wei. Yeah. Uh, P-U means unworked. In? Chinese. Okay. And it is an early Taoist metaphor for the natural state of humanity. And Tao, as you know, means Wei. So Poo Wei... The, the natural way. The natural way. The unworked way. The so Emily's way. holding up this doll and saying, Yeah. This. This. This is the... This is the natural the way. The natural way. So I guess what I think in the context of dolls here is like, in some ways it's like the opposite of what these girls in Jesse's ballet class has said. They've said, we don't belong here. And what Emily is saying is like, no, no, no. What's natural, what was first, what was early... Before you ever were thought of, right? Is this is the dolls? Okay, that's a pretty strained metaphor because a minute ago you said those girls were dolls. Right, they're saying opposite things, right? So we're oh we're, oh oh, so we're we're getting kind of both. We're getting mixed factions. messages from Anne. Like right. the the dolls themselves are saying we don't belong here, and then Emily, who knows something we don't know, is saying no no no, no. you don't belong here. You don't belong here. The dolls were here first. We don't belong here That's because what's you've, natural. you've kind of come in. You've moved yeah. into our territory. Yeah. Uh, and you've kind of taken over. But, like, yeah. don't forget. The dolls were here first. The dolls were here first. The dolls were always here. Um, so that's frightening as well, I think. I think that's good. It, it kind of lends some mythology to the dolls. Now we can probably reasonably suspect that the dolls were maybe one of the early factions, one of the first factions. Right. And they've probably been here since Stony Brook was first founded. Right. It was just the dolls and a cemetery. Yeah, an ancient burial ground. Right. Maybe it was an ancient burial ground of dolls. Well, that leads more questions than answers. Who's killing dolls? <laughs> Anne. 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 <laughs> Who's killing all these dolls, Anne? <laughs> wow, every time we solve a fucking mystery, it just makes the bigger mystery even deeper. You know? We get to the bottom of something. I think the demons, mm-hmm. uh, in our real world mythology, demons are ancient. But, like, right in Stony Brook, I think they're a relatively young like race. No, I'm sure that's why Logan and his faction came to Stony Brook. They thought they could make headway here. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, so that's pretty fucking interesting. Pue. Pue. Um, do you want to talk about... I kind of don't think you do want to talk about it. Uh, the her- hermeneutic cycle and Friedrich Schleiermacher. I love Schleiermacher's <laughs> stuff. Do you? Yeah, I love his stuff. 
I just, I guess, I just wanted to talk about hermeneutics. I just, I wanted an excuse. Oh God, to, yeah, Herman. To talk about hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. What were we talking about? Oh no, that was something else. We were talking about Harry and the Hendersons today. That's different. <laughs> Is it? I derailed myself. Yeah, is it different? Harry and the Hendersons is different from hermeneutics. Yeah, hermeneutics is the act of interpretation, Uh, right? And this book, which is called Jesse and the Awful Secret, mm -hmm. is about the uncovering of a secret, right? And hermeneutics, the hermeneutic cycle in particular, which is something that Schleiermacher talks about, is is like the act of engaging with the text and interpreting it. And the the cycle is that you take a small part of the text. And you extrapolate and you out learn some- into crazy <laughs> conspiracy theories. Well, yes, about dolls. <laughs> but that's exactly the point. Bees <laughs> and soldiers with magnificent weapons. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But that's exactly the point, right? Like so we're really hermeneutics. The art of hermeneutics. hermeneutics. Nice. Yeah, hermeneo in Greek means to find, right? And so it's it's yeah. What we, what we're doing is uh, we are finding the hidden meaning. We're finding the secrets. We are uncovering the secret. And the process of hermeneutism, hermeneutics, uh, or interpretation of a text is in many ways a cycle because like you f- uncover one secret and that sheds light on the broader meaning of the text in its entirety, and then your new understanding of the text in its entirety then sheds light on the uncovering of the next secret. And this is a book that's about secrets, right? Mary is keeping a secret, an awful secret, uh, which is her eating disorder. Uh, Christy is keeping a secret, which is that... Jealousy for his... Her, Jen. like, secret jealousy that she is harboring Here's about something cool. Shannon Kilborn. I captured yeah. that's kind of related. Um, Sue, in Jesse's ballet class, mm-hmm. one of the other fellow volunteers... Um, I'll just read this passage... Good class, huh? said Sue, joining me. It sure was, I agreed, clearing my throat. Want to go to the king for a snack? she asked me. I just thought it was cool that she calls Burger King the king. That is cool. Yeah. And and how does it what does it have to do with Schleiermacher? The king. Okay. Right? Right. It's a cool thing to say. It is cool to say. Yeah, the king. Recur, I guess, talks about hermeneutics in the context of the Bible a lot. Is that is it about that? Because, like, the king? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about the Bible. <laughs> that's um, what I was thinking. Well, that's fucking fascinating because this book, the two, like, the two main weird secret characters in it are Martha and Mary. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Martha being... Martha and Mary are Martha the sisters Mag- of Lazarus. Dylan. Oh, yeah. I am Lazarus, come from the dead, come back to tell you all, I shall tell you all. Sure, the Lazarus pit. We know this. Is that an X-Men thing? No, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that was a T.S. Eliot quote, by the way, and you should know that, because I gave you a book of T.S. Eliot's Yeah, problems. let's talk about Batman for a little bit. Uh, Ra's al Ghul has this thing called the Lazarus pit. Anytime he is uh, defeated in battle, he goes and he's reborn from the Lazarus pit. <laughs> How are we going to bring this back to the book we read? What did we? What are we talking about? Uh, oh, nudism. What? Hermeneutism. Hermeneutics. <laughs> um, I have more. Oh, I wanted to talk about synecdoche. The the meta, uh, the Kaufman movie. There is a, a, a Kaufman movie synecdoche called synecdoche, New, synecdoche York. New York, and right. it's similar to this. Okay. Um, they're building a snow fort. Yeah, yeah, they build a whole, yeah, they build a snow fort. Do you think 
that it's a broader metaphor or metonym or synecdoche for Stony Brook itself? No. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Well, they they build a snow fort, but then they end they up building build a whole this, like, snow city. Insanely complicated snow village. Right. That no human could possibly build, but somehow Claudia and her new best friend, Shannon Kilborn. Are you jealous too? I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like Shannon Kilborn. Like, what the fuck? What? Why did you not like Dan- Shannon Kilborn? No, I like Shannon Kilborn, but it's always just been the seven of us, you know? No, you. it's weird you say of us. It's just always you're been not the seven even of them. Yeah. Seven of, us. of them. No, it's been the nine of, the us. Nine of us. It's <laughs> always been the nine of us. You know? And like, Shannon's great. She seems fucking cool. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Why, why are you hanging out with Claudia? Claudia never hangs out with me. Well, I think the problem there is yeah. you're a man in his <sighs> late 30s. But Shannon and Claudia. They build this big snow village. They build this insane snow village. It's got everything. That, like, you couldn't build. You wouldn't be able to build. Like, even if you Maybe have, you like... you wouldn't be able to build it. I got the sense that it wasn't, like, photorealistic or anything. It was just kind of lumps of snow, and they used their imagination. Here is what they built in this impossible snow village. Mm-hmm. Shannon built a block of shops while Claudia sculpted a big old-fashioned church. Melody and Hanny built a ranch, and then Melody ran inside and came out with an armload of plastic ponies and horses. The boys had built a multi-level garage and stocked it with matchbox cars and trucks. Maria had contributed a haunted house, complete with a tall, round tower. The mound is a local ski mountain, Shannon suggested. This is a haunted western ski resort with a magnificent cathedral and excellent parking. You know what it reminds me of? That's not a thing that... Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Yeah? Yeah. It has a haunted cathedral? Mm, yeah. Is that where you came up? Yeah. I yeah. came up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. <laughs> okay. I went to church every weekend in that haunted cathedral. <laughs> Rode horses every weekday in that haunted ranch. But don't you think that this is exactly what fucking happened in Stony Brook, Tanner? I also think one of the ski slopes is haunted. Is that accurate? Yeah. This is like the early construction of Stony Brook, Connecticut. They built a block of shops, you know, like they've got commerce going, the the town is getting moving, and then they build a church to like keep out bad elements. Well, I tell you what, they didn't do a very good job of keeping the bad elements out of this snow village. Right. It immediately becomes haunted. Mm. Just like fucking Stony Brook, man. It's a recreation. But also of the founding of Stony Brook, Connecticut. They're doing their best, just like everybody. Like they make some shops and they make some houses and they bring in some matchbox cars and they they get some like horses and ponies. And all of a sudden, the whole goddamn thing is haunted. The taint gets in. The evil gets in. Well, this worries me because if this is where we're at now, if this is the current state of Stony Brook, this quiet ski slope western village – Right. Uh, that's haunted? Yeah. What happens next, it must be like the prophetic future of Stony Brook, which is that they build a, a number of condos. Do they? What more can anyone ask for? I know what it needs. A luxury condo for all the movie stars who come here. You're right. It has to have a big pool and a chic club next to it. Looks a little more like the leaning condo of Pisa, Shannon giggled at their crooked tower. Dead comedy. Only crooked people can come here. Wow. Claudia replied. Thieves and con artists. Fucking hell. 
So there you go. It's like the same thing played out again, except on a larger scale. They're like, well, this place is haunted, but we can paper over that by like bringing in glamorous celebrities. And they build a condo for the celebrities. And who shows up? The crooked people. Thieves and con artists. And thieves and con artists. And then Christy comes over and they get in a big fight. And they get in a huge fight. And Christy is a real dingleberry in this book. (laughs) Don't you think? Yeah, Christy's being weird. And she's like, everyone asks Shannon if she's okay. Because it's like, Shannon, you're avoiding home quite a bit. Like, Jesse's like, Christy, are, are you okay? Like, you're being weird. Yeah. I have a theory. Yeah. Christy and Shannon are in a failed romantic relationship. That's not an unrealistic theory. Like, they're acting like a recently broken up couple. Yeah. Christy and Shannon. I think Christy dumped Shannon. Okay. Right? And Shannon's just trying to, like, hang around and be, like, she's very clingy. And she's like, I just want to, like, be near you. Right. Uh, And Christy is very jealous and, like... Well, and Christy's thing is, like, her fucking excuse doesn't make any sense. Early on, she's like, oh, it's awkward for me to talk to Shannon. She always wants to hang out, which I also do want, but my schedule is so full right. that I literally never have time to do anything. Right. And so I just, like, can't, I can't even talk to her. I, like, get it from Jesse. Jesse has ballet and, like... Christy's got the crushers. Chrissy's got the crushers, but it's fucking February. You don't play baseball yeah, in true. February. Yeah, it's not. It's the off season. She didn't make it to be school president. Right. She's got the BSC, but so does everybody else. Right, including Shannon. Including Shannon. Right. What is she doing? There isn't a thing. She's avoiding Shannon. Why would she need to avoid Shannon, though? And why is Shannon so clingy? Yeah. It's just got all the telltale signs of a, a relationship going south. That sounds pretty right to me. Um. Do you want to talk about the Ballantyne conspiracy? Oh, boy. You just got more, huh? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the Celestine I think prophecy. it's Ballantyne. I'm sure I'm butchering his name. Speaking of accents, Madame Noel's yeah. accent it's tough was to deal with. really slipping this book. I, mean, I think this is on Anne, but like at one point, Mademoiselle Noel was like, Mademoiselle Bromstedt. That was Mary, the yeah. anorexic girl. Mademoiselle Bromstedt. I... Wish you to dress and wait in the lobby. (laughs) And do not leave without speaking to me. I wish to talk with your father (laughs) and your mother. Yeah. I don't know if this is where you're going, but Mademoiselle Noel is not actually French. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing her best to, like, put on the garments of the the entrapments of a French person, but she kind of, like, loses track of it every now and (laughs) then. We never hear her first name. No. But it's like Ruth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal. Yeah. So who knows what Mademoiselle is up to. We do know that she extorted a bunch of money out of Watson Brewer's company. Oh, yeah. This week. Well, do you want to talk about that? Sure, man. Because it's my... (gasps) (laughs) jesse comes up with this scheme Mm -hmm. where uh she wants to find a corporate sponsor to give a scholarship to two of these underprivileged children who she's teaching and uh she kind of brings it up at a babysitter's club meeting and christy's like oh you know watson's rich um and knows about this stuff i'll ask him and then 
uh, Jesse goes to babysit at the, the Thomas Brewer household, and Watson is very excited. He's animated. He's like, Jesse, Jesse, uh, not only can I tell you about corporate sponsors, I have found you one. It's me. And it's me, Watson Brewer. Yeah. Uh, just then, I heard the front door close. A moment later, Watson walked in. Hi, honey. Mrs. Brewer greeted him. What did Stuart have to say? Stuart is their accountant. Mm-hmm. He says we can do it right away. I can offer your school... Two full scholarships, he told me happily. The money is available as soon as you need it and will be there every year. My jaw dropped, but no sound came out. This was so amazing, so awesomely wonderful. Thank you so much, I finally said when I found my voice. You're very welcome, Watson replied. He pulled his wallet from his inside pocket of his jacket. And for just a moment, I thought he was going <laughs> to hand me the money. <laughs> But instead, he gave him his business card and told Mademoiselle Noel to give him a call. So my tearful moment is just a second later than that when Christy calls up and Jesse is like, I hadn't been home a half hour when Christy called. You've really made Watson happy, she told me. He's been whistling ballet tunes since I came back. <laughs> There's just something very sweet about Watson whistling the Nutcracker or whatever because he could like help these kids with his scholarship. It also occurred to me that like it probably doesn't cost all that much to fund two children going to ballet school. Yeah. But it's very sweet of rich old Watson to help two underprivileged children get ballet lessons every year. Though, here is a fucking point about that, Tanner. The sponsorship for the two kids, and it ends up being Devin and Martha. Right. Uh, Devin is like the um, class clown. Right. And Martha's like the quiet, shy, reserved one who has natural talent. Right. Um, And there's some beautiful stuff with that. Like her family was told that she shouldn't even bother applying to be in ballet. Her family's like Caribbean. Will never succeed in ballet. Right. Which, by the way, comes back to the Ballantyne conspiracy. Don't know what that is. But. Watson Brewer is able to sponsor it so that his company can look good in Stony Brook. Right. When they announce it, they announce to the class the inaugural Watson and Elizabeth Brewer Dance Scholarships. Right. That's not Watson's company. No. What's he holding back? Where he works. Why doesn't he want his actual company name on the scholarships? I mean, we've never discussed where Watson gets his money. We have. Have we? We have. What did we decide? Art fence. (laughs) (laughs) Now I remember. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want your company. You're like, yeah, you can't. That's that's under the table. What we decided. Watson is independently wealthy. Yeah. Is that uh, Christie's mom, Elizabeth, is an international art Art thief. thief, Right. And Watson Watson is is an art fence. Art fence. Yeah. There's evidence it's all in the fucking text, Baby Nation. Right. Go back and listen. We talked about it in episode, like, four. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense, and that's why you wouldn't want your yeah. company name attached and to And Watson's, that. like, a good guy. So he's probably like, like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do the corporate sponsorship. I've talked to my accountant about it. But we're not going to put it like, under Brewer Holdings LLC yeah, exactly. based out of, like, yeah. Copacabana. Yeah, like Utrecht. Yeah. <laughs> We don't really want to draw attention to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think with our means, we could probably sponsor two underprivileged children to take ballet lessons. Okay. Probably in Stanford, Connecticut, too, to be honest. Great. Baby you, Nation. Yeah, Baby Nation. <laughs> Let's pool our resources. Yeah. Let's send two underprivileged kids to ballet school. Okay. 
all of us together. Great. Every year. It'll be called the Baby Nation Scholarship Fund. I'm on board. I also think we should save the bees. Okay. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we should, like... Uh, save the dolls? Save the dolls? Is that yeah. a thing? We'll put that one as, like, the third priority. It's a three-pronged attack. Yeah. Um, George Balanchine. Oh, God, you're just insisting, huh? I thought I led you away from it. You don't want to talk about it? No, let's do it. Balanchine. I've heard that it started because the great choreographer George Balanchine wanted his corps de ballet, all the dancers who aren't stars, to look alike. Yeah, great. Let's tackle systemic racism in ballet head on. Dude, George Balanchine, what a weird fucking thing to start. He's a very interesting and strange man. <laughs> Is he he's like the, the the what, godfather of ballet? He's the godfather of ballet. The great choreographer ruled the New York City ballet as a fiefdom with the droit de seigneur among his privileges. He slept with all of the young ballet dancers. Ooh. Oh, now I know why you're warning me off of yeah. this. <laughs> he's just a bad he seems Also, like a he insisted person. all his ballet dancers be rail thin and uh, white. But they all need to, <laughs> quote unquote, look exactly alike. What a bad. Okay, well. PSA. You just called him interesting. <laughs> you just thought it said he was fascinating. Jack. Well, the, th- <laughs> the Wikipedia article doesn't get into that shit until the controversy section. <laughs> like they the whole article like he's is some just kind like, of like d- genius artist. Yeah, like he's a really fucking important figure in ballet. Oh. Um, yeah, so he seems bad. He seems very bad. Yeah, uh, but he looms large in this book. Certainly. <laughs> Certainly looms large in the B plot of this book. Yeah. Um, one of the fellow volunteer instructors, Baby Nation, of Jesse's is this boy named Raul. Oh, yeah. Who is hyper aware of things like systemic racism and unfair treatment of both minorities and underprivileged people. Yeah. Uh, and kind of keeps insisting throughout the book that Mademoiselle um, Dupre. Dupre is treating these underprivileged and minority students unfairly. Yeah. But he, he changes his tune by the end. He eventually sees the method in the madness of Mademoiselle Dupree's. Weird method. Yeah. It's unclear what it is. Whatever it is, it works. It works. But there is this thrumming heartbeat of class and race issues <laughs> underneath underneath all teenage of anorexia. Well, and good job Anne or Suzanne or whoever found... This, like, weird shadowy figure who is behind the rise of ballet in New York. Right. Who kind of embodies all of this stuff. Right. Um, and just, like, dropped him in a random reference. Yeah. Well, and it's Raul who brings him up, right? Yeah. Um, no, I think it's Jesse. But I think or maybe, maybe it's Quinn. Uh, is it Quinn or Quint? Quint. Quint. Yeah, Quint. He must be a super special character. He's a su- he's in a super special. Right. We know this because he's come up before. But they like he went to Juilliard. He is currently at Juilliard. He's currently at Juilliard and they have like a somewhat romantic pen pal pen pal relationship. Right. Um but I don't know how old is he? How old do you have to be to go to Juilliard? You can't be 13. <sighs> you should ask your bud, buddy Gus. A humble brag. Your buddy Gus. Do you know that my buddy Gus, and I'll leave this in even though I don't normally like 
t- just like randomly name dropping my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Gus moved away from New York and religiously listens to this podcast. Does he? So uh, he'll love this primarily because he feels like it's like hanging out with me, even though <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> Which I think and is me and really his friend lovely. Tanner. Well, you drive him crazy because <laughs> <laughs> he's just like you. <laughs> He's like you, but even worse. He wants to hear what I have to say. <laughs> he's always... also a pedant. Yeah. He's also like a, a academic <laughs> know-it-all pedant who happened to work at Juilliard for <laughs> yeah. a number of years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hello, Gus. Hello, Gus. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Um, George Balanchine, Dolls, Jesse. Oh, Tanner, did yeah. you, sir, have... This week, a <gasps> do you want to know the one that I captured the note horsed for? Horsed? I captured a note, it just said horsed. Yeah. Because it autocorrected Borat into horsed. Okay. H O R S E D. They're like, surely you didn't mean Borat. <laughs> Surely you meant the past tense of the verb to horse. Yeah, no, I emailed <laughs> Apple support immediately. Like, uh, dear sirs and madams, um, when I type Borat, I mean Borat. I mean Borat. <laughs> I don't know what all this horsing around you motherfuckers are doing is. but Sh- Shannon and Tiffany joined the others who were packing snow into four walls. Then they dug out a small doorway and some peak hole windows. Now what, Melody asked, when that was done. Let's have another snowball fight, Linny suggested. You can stay in the fort and pack snowballs while Bill and I sneak up on you. Not, called out Maria. (laughs) That's your burn of the week. Somebody did not... It felt very 1993. <laughs> I think that's the weakest <laughs> bird of the week that we have ever had on this show. Not. <laughs> well, so Lenny suggests that uh, Bill and him sneak around back and yeah. wing snowballs at the girls. Yeah. And, and then they're like, Maria says, not psych. Yeah. Nobody says psych anymore, man. I say it. Do you? It's yeah. good. It's still good to say. Psych. Psych. Um, How do you spell it? S-I-K-E. This is controversial. Yeah. Not P-S-Y-C-H. No, I spell it S-I-K-E too. Yeah. That's a pain point for a lot of people. Yeah, I can. I understand why. I think that the origin is probably that it's a psych I out. I psyched you out. Yeah. Right. And in the sense of like the Greek psuche, meaning soul. Oh, of course. Yeah, like, yeah. I have cut you to your very soul. This better be related to your burn of the week. The Soul Skinner. <gasps> oh, from X-Men number 17, 1993. Yeah. When was the extinction event? Um, I'm looking it up real quick. Do you want me to tell you my burn of the week? Yeah, as soon as I'm done looking up when the extinction event. You had, Tanner, you had fucking all week to look up the extinction event of the X-Men. It's explicitly referenced in this text. David Michael is reading an X-Men novel from February of 1993. What clearer signal could you of all people have to look up the goddamn extinction event story arc, which begins in 1990? (sighs) 
I also actually did this homework. There is a story arc called Fatal Attractions that plays out beginning in 1993. Fatal Attractions is nothing. Okay. It's just Magneto's back. (laughs) That's their arc? They were like, ugh. We didn't really do a lot of work over uh, the summer, uh, but what about uh, Magneto's back? The guy from the 60s? Yeah. He's back? Okay. Cool. Let's do it. What about Omega Red? He was like a Russian mutant. Okay. I think maybe he was a Project X candidate. Okay. Who was like Wolverine, except instead of claws, he had little like snaky ropes that came out of his hands. Oh my God. Claws are so much better. Yeah. But I think the snaky ropes were also like irradiated. Okay. And could defeat Wolverine. Um. And if you could defeat Wolverine in 1993, you could defeat the X-Men. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> That's a classic. Yeah. I did watch the cartoon. Fucking casual. <laughs> That's a term of art, Baby Nation. I actually know what it means. Um, do you want to hear my goddamn burn of the week? Not really. Oh, it's just Jesse describing her literal best friend, Mallory, <laughs> early on in this book. You know I skipped it. I know you skipped it. <laughs> That's why you didn't get this. Jesse is like describing all the babysitters as always happens. The whoever's point of view it is describes all the babysitters, and Jesse gets to the point where she's describing her literal best friend in the entire world. And here is how she describes her: Mallory doesn't consider herself pretty. She hates her nose in particular, but I think someday she'll be prettier than anyone imagines. And there's so much goodness inside Mallory that after you know her a while, she starts to look pretty. Pretty insulting. <laughs> like fuck you, Jesse. Yeah. Not like Mallory doesn't think of herself as pretty. Right. But I think she's pretty. As an unattractive man myself. You're a beautiful man. Too, who's constantly like... compared to... Um... Attractive men like me? No. I get a lot of known unattractive male celebrities mm-hmm. <laughs> as comparisons. <laughs> That's good. Like people constantly come up to me like, oh, you look like um, uh, Josh Gad. <laughs> you, oh, you look like... um. Vincent D'Onofrio. You look like uh, Danny DeVito in the Penguin yeah. movie. <laughs> Batman 2, Batman Returns. Yeah. <laughs> you look like Jaws. Oh, you're so big. You're like Hodor. <laughs> From Game of Thrones. You're just so, like, tall. Have you seen uh, that SNL skit that was made into a movie, Coneheads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of remind me of Dan Aykroyd in yeah, that. you're like Dan Aykroyd in that movie. <laughs> the way you talk... <laughs> And like your large cone shaped head. head. (laughs) So I get that. That's good. I feel Mal's pain in this one. Yeah. Uh, Good. Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. I got more notes. Okay. Hit me with your goddamn notes. I sure hope you're editing this because it's going to be the longest record you've ever done. No, I don't have anything else. I'm good. That's it. I thought it was cool when she called Burger King the king. (laughs) Oh, so you deployed that note as a shield. You had wanted to just talk about that with me on the level. Right. But I talked about hermeneutics for one too, beat too long. Too long, And you yeah. were just like, reached into your utility belt. Yeah. And you're like, all I have here. I was like Hawkeye with one of my <laughs> special arrows. <laughs> Hawkeye is, okay, Hawkeye is my favorite X-Man. Is he? Yeah. He's not an X-Man. <laughs> you fucking casual. <laughs> He's not even a mutant, Jack. He's just a man who's good with a bow and arrow. Like Mallory. 
Like Mallory, sure. Yeah. Mallory's Don't try good. to wiggle out of this. You're a fucking casual and you know it. <laughs> Baby Nation, we're we're going to leave now. <laughs> we're going to leave now. We're not like that, really, Baby Nation. I'm not some kind of weird <laughs> geek gatekeeper. <laughs> um, Jack's do, doing his best. We do have the... the uh, I appreciate his enthusiasm. <laughs> we have a little bit of housekeeping. Baby B, uh, this has been a long time coming, Baby Nation, because Tanner and I are bad. We're just bad. Bad boys. We're bad boys. For life. For life. Dun, 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 dun. Bad boys for life. Yeah. P. Diddy, Dave Navarro. Um, <laughs> Baby B, Adrienne, has an Etsy shop in which she has created some pretty fucking sweet Babysitter's Club themed t-shirts yeah i own one i own two as do i and she sent them to us right we have modeled them and we will post the picture on our facebook page yeah but adrienne has kindly created a discount code for her etsy shop what can i get this discount you got the free t-shirt i want to buy more (laughs) i love the t-shirt it's very soft very comfortable (laughs) it looks very good on me and i want to buy more stuff and it's bsc themed and it's bsc themed adrienne's etsy shop is skinny sweatshop so if you go to etsy.com slash shop slash skinny sweatshop and enter the code bscc 2017 you can get 20 percent off those sweet sweet t-shirts yeah you can also i think when this post goes up we'll um pin this tweet to the top of our twitter Oh, cool. With a link right to her. God, that's so tech savvy. Yeah, just just go find us on Twitter, BSCC Podcast. Yeah. Um. So that's that's it. That was the housekeeping. The other housekeeping is um. Please rate, review, review, and subscribe to our show on iTunes. I have really enjoyed reading the many reviews that have been coming in over the last few weeks, um, yeah. and deeply appreciate them. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, Tanner wouldn't know and doesn't know because he's uh, afraid to read them. Yep. Uh, but they're they're great, and please keep them coming. They are honestly the highlight of my day when I get to read um, a new review. Highlight of my day is talking to you, Jack. It doesn't seem like it, though, does it? Because you get an opportunity to do it, and you're just like deep in your fucking phone. You, you're your fault for bringing up X Men Extinction Event. That was a mistake. The Extinction Agenda. Fault. Yeah, that was my fault. That's your fault, guy. I'm sorry. Here we are, and though. Then you brought the fucking Lazarus Pit twenty <laughs> minutes later. What am I supposed to do with that? Pretend I don't know about the Lazarus Pit? Oh, very interesting, Jack. Tell me about uh, nudism. <laughs> you mean hermeneutics? Hermeneutics. Okay, well, so hermeneutics... Is, oh, great. Like, oh, did you say Lazarus Pit? something that has been going obviously on... Obviously, I'm into the Lazarus Pit. ...since Aristotle. No, I we're mean, done. If Baby not before, Nation, uh, like, share this podcast with a friend if you can. Uh, I have been Tanner Greenring. Schleiermarker is... He has been Jack Shepard. Obviously an important figure. Claudia is wearing a bra now. You miss a bunch of shit we have to do. This week, we read the book, Jesse and the Awful Secret. We avoided talking about the awful secret because... It's a very serious it's issue. Bad. It's and bad, and we just—we mostly not fun. make goofs and jokes on this show. Um, but the awful secret was that Jesse's friend Mary had an eating disorder. Right. Uh, next week we are going to be reading a book called Christy and the Worst Kid Ever. Thank God, and after throwing us a couple curveballs, you're Good. giving us clean baby sitting <laughs> fun. 
So what I hope is some good, clean babysitting fun. I hope that like this kid is not the worst kid ever because he only has three weeks to live. <laughs> yeah. He only has three weeks to live. He hates ethnic minorities <laughs> oh, no. and has bulimia. Yeah. We'll see. But I think he's going to be the worst kid, kid ever because he gets up to hijinks and they have some good, clean babysitting fun. That is what I hope we will find out. I have been this week, Jack Shepard. I've been there. This week. Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would you think-, think boys should just been invented. Welcome to Point Counterpoint. I'm John Point, and with me is my co-host. You can say your name now. I guess I found a burn. It's fine. My name's Tanner. Okay, welcome to Point Counterpoint with John Point and Tanner. <laughs> Tanner, Tanner Counterpoint. <laughs> oh, oh, is that your last name? Thanks for picking up on my joke. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> Do you guys listen to Point Counterpoint with John Point and Tanner? <laughs> Do you guys ever think it's weird <laughs> that Tanner never gives his last name? That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>